0: You're listening to Radio Ed, a University of Denver podcast. We're your hosts, Nicole Militello, Lauren Fultenberg, and I'm Alyssa Hurst. It may not be considered polite to talk religion, but that's exactly what we're up to today. And why not? Religion is emotional, it's political, and it inevitably shapes so much of what's happening in the world today. Now, tensions between tradition and progress are running high, and that's particularly evident when you take a look at the United Methodist Church, where more traditionalist members are considering breaking away over same-sex marriage and the acceptance of LGBTQ clergy. Methodism is the second largest Protestant denomination in the country and has millions of members across the globe. With influence like that, this is bound to be a fascinating story. But it also has real consequences for Methodists and beyond. I spoke with religious studies professor Gregory Robbins, who shared details of the potential split and what it might really mean for the state of religion in the U.S. So can you start by telling me a little bit about the Methodist denomination in general and and what's unique to it here in the U.S.?
1: Methodism came to the United States in the 18th century century and uh, founded by uh, John Wesley. Uh, It was a reform movement uh, within Anglicanism in uh, the 18th century. It is a movement that is characterized by hope and uh, this idea of uh, God's grace that, that comes before uh, conversion, but uh, a unique emphasis uh, within Methodism is this idea of the possibility of uh, the sanctification of life, sanctifying grace, uh, a gift uh, which brings uh, holiness uh, to the individual's uh, life. It is... um, also a denomination that is characterized by its interest in social justice uh, from the 18th century with industrialization uh, in England and the difficult life that people in uh, the factories uh, lived and the tenements. Uh, Methodism has always been interested in social justice and continues to be as a, a modern uh, denomination that now is is a worldwide denomination it's It's important uh, to think of Methodism as maybe the largest uh, ecclesiastical democratic group in the world. Uh, there are about 12 million United Methodists in the United States and globally 80 million Methodists. And uh, the way in which the church is organized is quite democratic. And so uh, as an institution, it's a force to reckon with.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So can you tell me a little bit about this split that they're looking at right now?
1: The split is entirely focused on LGBTQIA issues, and about um, whether or not the denomination should uh, ordain uh, those people to its ministry, uh, but also to accept uh, same-sex unions. And uh, in a sense, um, it it represents that uh, war between uh, Christian faith and um, culture. Many years ago, in the 1960s, a theologian named H. Richard Niebuhr uh, wrote uh, a book called Christ and Culture. And he ultimately, you know, his desire was to talk about Christ up above culture. and. To a certain extent, this is what the denomination or some factors of the denomination are trying to assert, uh, this idea of Christ over culture, because culture has left the church on that issue.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So is this split happening along generational lines? Is this an old versus young? Are there any kind of sides that we can see clearly here?
1: I think the most important takeaway is that this is a a, a split along global lines. In... Uh, the United States, there are 54 uh, annual conferences which govern the, uh, the, the church. And globally, then, there are 70 others, uh, many of which are in Africa. And the African church is very conservative and is calling the shots here. However, I also point out that when I, you know, poll students in my classes and I'm, you know, a professor in the Department of Religious Studies and I teach Christianity and I teach New Testament, the the scriptures of Christianity, it's clear to me that uh, among the the kids in my class, probably 30% of them are not affiliated with the church at all, but 100% of them are behind their... LGBTQIA brothers and sisters. The church has lost that battle Hmm. among young people.
0: Interesting. So what would the logistics of this split look like? Is there money involved? What would happen on the ground level in these these community churches?
1: Well, what happens is you have these uh, conferences, uh, and every conference will be asked to take a vote. And the, the vote requires uh, 57% uh, approval for a conference either to stay with the, the United Methodist Church or to join what will be a new traditionalist body. And then individual churches, okay, so let's say uh, a convention voted 57% sixty-three percent, seventy-five percent, to stay mm-hmm. with the United Methodist Church and not join the traditionalist uh, group. Then an individual congregation could also uh-huh. vote uh, to leave the conference, but it again would require more than simp- a simple majority—a fifty-seven okay. percent vote.
0: Very interesting. So, is there money involved in this? How does this? How does this look on the on the higher levels then?
1: Well. What it's going to mean for the United Methodist Church, ultimately, is that this is a denomination that considers itself connectional. Uh, that is, that that no congregation is a congregation on its own. It's connected to other congregations in uh, the region and ju- jurisdiction and annual conference. And so it means that congregations will be, be more individual. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably the... The hardest decisions to be made are going to be have to do with clergy pension funds. Uh-huh. Uh, they, they can work out the congregational part and, and, and the property part, mm-hmm. but, but the pension funds are, are, are going to be difficult.
0: So I certainly haven't seen anything like this before, but maybe you have having a little bit more expertise in this. Is there is there precedent for this kind of split?
1: Well, it certainly happened um, in the Episcopal Church okay. with first the uh, ordination of women in the late 1970s, but then also the same sorts of issues around ordaining uh, clergy and same-sex unions. Mm-hmm. And so uh, there's a you know th- there are conservative wings of the Episcopal Church that broke away from the Episcopal Church in the 1980s.
0: So how did that play out? How did that pan out for for them? Well, I
1: mean, it, it meant uh, lost membership. It mm-hmm. meant uh, hard feelings. Uh, but ultimately, um, it's worked out okay.
0: So do you think that will be the case here? Is this a risky move for the Methodist Church, or is this something that could make it stronger?
1: I don't think it's a risky move. Okay. Um, I think I think it's um, I think it's pretty much inevitable. Mm-hmm. Um, and. It will be difficult at the beginning, but I think uh, both groups will be happier in the end. Sure.
0: So how contentious is this looking right now? Are they seeing it more as a divorce or like a Gwyneth Paltrow conscious uncoupling?
1: Well, the the way I've seen it, um, and I was recently at a, a conference at the Isle of School of Theology mm-hmm. and they had a panel, and it's just... It has promoted uh, very thoughtful conversations within mm-hmm. congregations, where they're being uh, quite open about where where they are and, and where they might be going, and I think that's uh, that's a good thing. It's not it's not simply being controlled by the clergy or or by the bishops but by thoughtful people within the congregation. Sure, that definitely
0: seems like a a positive source of conversation. Um, So I have this quote that I read in the New York Times that really stuck with me um, in an article about this split. It says, we tried to look for ways that we could gracefully live together with all our differences. It just didn't look like that was even possible anymore. So I'm curious if this split will likely end this pain and the problems that they're having or if it will help them move forward. And you talked about this a little bit in your last answer, but...
1: I think it will um, ease the the pain, but uh, I want to come back to a point that I made earlier sure. that um, this this has to do with international differences yeah. global differences and not not simply dividing young between old or southern between northern in, in the United States it's a much larger issue and and what what's dictating uh, the stance in particularly in Africa in the global south uh, for example is the the power of Islam over and against Christianity mm-hmm. and the idea of how, Christians uh, in, the, in the global south uh, are not seen as giving in to uh, American liberalism hmm. uh, and lose, and losing uh, an authentic voice um, against uh, a, a religious tradition that is fiercely uh, anti-LGBTQIA.
0: Very interesting. So here in the U.S., what does it look like? Do you think the United States Methodist will probably fall into this more liberal view versus the traditional denomination that looks like it's going to split off?
1: I think that's right.
0: Okay. So I'm curious what the younger generation's role in this. Are they turning away from the church? Are they leading this charge in the U.S.? Um, are they working to reform the church? What, what kind of role are they taking?
1: So I think um, I'm pretty confident in saying that about uh, a third of the uh, younger folks have left uh, religious traditions interesting and um, they're interested in religion as an important phenomenon that, that they need to understand religion and the role that religion plays in the modern world it's a it's a key part of the puzzle for understanding uh, the modern world so they' they're not disinterested about religion it's just that they don't find themselves uh, practicing uh, p- a particular religion. Some of them have left more traditional denominations uh, to uh, join non-denominational churches, community churches, churches that that often uh, have uh, lively pop music and. Uh, and a a different, less formal style of worship. And yet I also find that students can be very critical of those non-denominational churches as well because they want them to be authentic. Mm -hmm. Uh, they, They want them to to really be concerned about the people who are going there and not just about numbers, and they really are suspicious of religious traditions that have wedded themselves to capitalism. Hmm. Uh, So there's a kind of uh, anti-capitalist, anti-materialist. They despise religious traditions that are constantly talking about money and about numbers and uh, about market share
0: very interesting so as you mentioned there's kind of this decline in general in terms of church goership since 1948 that's been on a steady decline and now only 50 percent of americans are reporting that they regularly go to church or belong to a religion um, so what do you think is behind that decline on the broader scale
1: Well, I think it's simply following uh, the secularism that uh, affected Europe, you know, 40, 50 years ago, and we're just catching up to the secularism. But you know modern life offers many alternatives now on Sunday, <laughs> and uh, you know the families that have spent the whole week uh, hauling kids to soccer lessons and hockey games and music lessons and whatever are are just exhausted by the by the time Sunday comes around. and there are lots of alternatives,
0: sure. so I want to go back to the Methodist Church for a second um, and just ask what will congregations gain or lose from a split like this? Like down on the ground level in these little community churches, what what is happening to them because of this split, positive or negative?
1: Well, again, you know, if you talk to, to Methodists, serious uh, Methodists, mm-hmm. one of the things they cherish about the, the denomination is this idea of connectionalism. What will happen and really what has happened in Christianity uh, throughout America it's, it happens to Jewish synagogues. It ha- happens to uh, Islamic mosques. That to be in America means that your polity becomes more congregational. Mm-hmm. And by that, I mean that, that the decisions are made in the individual mm-hmm. parish, and in the individual congregation. I wonder, then, if you won't have more individual statements uh, or individual input about... Sure about who the who the pastor is the declining uh, maybe authority of uh, the bishop and of course it will depend on whether you stay with the the regular united methodist system uh, the progressive mm-hmm. united methodist system and the traditionalist uh, united methodist uh, Alternative.
0: Sure, sure. So one thing we've talked about in the past is that there are already LGBTQ clergy members in the Methodist Church. So if they're voting on whether or not that's okay right now, how are there already these people working?
1: Well, I mean, they've had to live a lie, and you know, they've had to to keep kind of undercover about it. And so when I was with this uh, renewal uh, panel uh, last week with the, the Methodist Church, I mean there, there were a couple of candidates who are preparing for ordination but then they don't know what their status might ever be mm-hmm. uh, and, until this gets decided uh, this summer and that's that's very painful to sure, see
0: absolutely you mentioned I mean this that this is much more than a local issue this is very global
1: but it's also it's also very local okay. in the sense that um, the bishop of um, this this particular conference mm-hmm. uh, Karen Orvieto, is uh, a lesbian uh, woman who's married right and 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 she's been tried uh, by the United Methodist Church. And her, her sentence uh, is is kind of pending. And so it's for folks in Colorado. Uh, this is an intense issue.
0: So it doesn't, I mean, based on our conversation, this is not just the Methodist Church that is experiencing these kind of issues that are dividing people. So can you tell me a little bit more about that and, and how this is kind of expanding beyond the Methodist Church?
1: I think you... Um, you have to, to distinguish between um, Protestantism and uh, Orthodoxy and Roman Catholicism mm-hmm. and that the the Roman Catholic Church, for example, in America is uh, becoming increasingly uh, Hispanic. Mm. And so you have to, to reckon with uh what those sorts of changes uh, have to do with uh, the future. Again, with the Orthodox Church, you have uh, an identif- identification along uh, ethnic lines, mm-hmm. and uh, it's also you know, an, an aging church. Uh, so you you have to do with the age of the congregations, the, the ethnic identity of uh, the congregations, with uh, Protestantism, the the mainline uh, denominations uh, are tending uh, to decline or at least to age uh, mm-hmm. as well, whereas non-denominational churches, um, they, they tend to have a younger demographic, but it's also a demographic that is not necessarily loyal, that <laughs> they don't stick with the, the non-denominational church. You know, sometimes people attend because that's it's close by in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then if they move to a different neighborhood, there's no loyalty.
0: So with the Catholic Church, we're, we're seeing kind of this split with this current pope who seems to have a little bit more progressive ideas and the, the former pope who is still alive and still kind of outspoken about his ideas. So how is this looking in the Catholic Church specifically or how is that playing out?
1: It, it plays out, uh, again, along geographical lines. Okay. Uh, so, the, the church in, in South America, of course, would be wildly favorable uh, to France. Uh, the church in Africa is, mm-hmm. is much more conservative.
0: Are those lessons that we can apply to the split here with the Methodist church as well? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know. Um, I'll go back uh, to the point I made uh, about uh, Christ and culture and the, the Niebuhr book in and, mm-hmm. and the sense that Um, It it strikes me that the United Methodist Church, whether it had taken the the conservative stance or the progressive stance, uh, could have uh, taken a prophetic stance. But as as the case is now, culture has marched on. Mm -hmm. And so now whatever decision they make seems regressive or absurd.
0: So that's kind of one of the central tensions here with with religion today is this balancing of modern-day culture and, as you mentioned, social justice and these these issues that people are very fired up about with the traditions that come with being part of a church. So how can a church effectively balance that? Can you solve the problem of religion (laughs) right now?
1: (laughs) I don't think so. Um, I think to be clear-minded about – where you stand vis-a-vis culture, and uh, and how you plan to uh, engage uh, cultural sh- changes, and what, what ditch is worth dying in.
0: <laughs> are there any churches out there or even small clergies that you've seen that are handling these kind of changes really well or in a way that you, you see and admire? I think
1: I think the Episcopal Church has done uh, a fairly good job of addressing these uh, issues. So, in, in a way that that represents that that people may not agree and w- may peel off, but in the sense that they have um, moved, for example, to to write liturgies that uh, celebrate uh, same-sex unions, uh, that they have uh, attempted to to embrace and, and support women clergy, uh, mm-hmm. for example, and to, to to really remove the glass ceiling, uh, if you will, for women in leadership roles. So to to move, unlike the, the Church of England did, it, it does now. Um, Ordain women bishops, but mm-hmm. but uh, from from the beginning, the Episcopal Church said that if we're going to ordain women, we're also going to allow women to be bishops. Mm-hmm. And so, for example, here in Colorado, um, the bishop of the Episcopal Church in Colorado is not only a woman, but she's an African American woman. Mm-hmm. And and so you you see that. Uh, once the decision was made, you make the decision fully and all of the implications that go with it. Sure. If you if you uh, agree to uh, ordain uh, L B G T Q I A people to to ministry, uh, if you uh, agree to bless uh, their unions, then then you do it fully and consciously and by changing the liturgi- liturgies, for example, to reflect those sure. sorts of decisions.
0: So obviously the issue here that's dividing the church is same-sex marriage, and as you mentioned, LGBTQIA clergy members and ordaining them. Um, are there any social issues that you see coming down the pipeline that are ca- stirring up these same sort of conversations in, in other denominations? I don't think so. So this is the, the hot-button topic of today. I think it's, today.
1: A, it's the hot-button topic.
0: So are other are other denominations going to have to grapple with this in the coming years? Most
1: of them have already. That's that's why it's, in so many ways, uh, the United Methodist Church has been uh, a progressive voice uh, in this uh, country and uh, really on top of uh, social issues. And so f- for them to be kind of the last in the pack uh, on this, this issue seems uh, unusual. But then I suppose denominations uh, addressing uh, issues about climate Mm. change and about homelessness. but particularly about climate change, one of the one of the interesting things is that uh, among conservative denominations, uh, conservative Protestant denominations in the United States, evangelical uh, denominations, you find them increasingly engaging in climate change, and that has has caused some friction, uh, as you as you might imagine, sure. because um, certainly you know the. The current president is a climate change denier, and and his base is mostly in the denial uh, phase of climate change, but not among young people.
0: That brings up an interesting point of the relationship between politics and religion. So I'm curious how that is shaping either this split or the tensions in the various churches right now.
1: Well, certainly, you know, the conservative Protestant denominations, uh, evangel- often referred to as evangelical, mm-hmm. um, but uh, conservative Protestant denominations are are ones that have not and do not accept ordination or blessing of same-sex marriages, and, and they won't. Um, but oftentimes uh, the politics are completely uh, intertwined. They have been since the 1980s, mm-hmm. with uh, the rise of um, the religious right as a as a political movement uh, within the country. But it, it creates unusual uh, alliances. So, for example, uh, Roman Catholics um, are strongly uh, right to life, and so. And they are they are consistently right to life uh, from uh, the beginnings of life and, and with abortion, but also on capital punishment. Mm-hmm. But then capital punishment sometimes gets aligned with uh, the religious right and and gun control sure. and in ways that that make for some uneasy uh, unions and shifting. Uh, alliances and and it, it is the case in in the United States that we're living in a time when these these alliances are shifting constantly
0: with the church having this declining membership and experiencing sort of turmoil with splits like these what is the path forward for success or are, are is religion dying out how is this how is this going to play out in the long term
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's dying out I think uh, we're coming coming to terms with um, Greater religious diversity, particularly in the United sure. States, and that um, that that religious uh, diversity is uncomfortable uh, for many people in a country that was uh, largely white and and Protestant. And you know, among the you know original colonies, only one was aligned with Roman Catholicism, hmm. and that was Maryland. But things are very different now, and we're we're a very different country. And I do think you know secularism uh, is is a force uh, within American society, and particularly among uh, young people. But we're going to see a lot of realignments in terms of uh, ethnicity and. Prominent denomination.
0: So church going is just kind of rearranging. It's not necessarily going away.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's right. Okay.
0: So what does a split like this that the Methodist Church is experiencing? What does that mean for people who are not Methodists or people who are not religious? Certainly, this has implications beyond just what will happen to the individual members of the congregations.
1: It's you know it's disappointing, mm-hmm. um, but I think life will go on.
0: Sure. So do you think it has any any I guess lasting impact beyond beyond what will happen when this initial split occurs.
1: In particular, when I look around um, the the neighborhood uh, here at the University of Denver, mm-hmm. um, right across the street is uh, University Park, uh, United Methodist Church. Just a little ways down, Evanston uh, was uh, Evanston United Methodist Church, which is now a religious, an interdenominational religious center because the congregation could not sustain itself, and and all of those congregations at one time were connected to, to various kinds of uh, ethnic and geographic, language communities, and and now they're different things, and. Christianity in the United States is evolving and uh, and vibrant mm-hmm. and waning in, in some cases, but uh, always uh, changing and reconfiguring itself. Yeah. And so this is a, an interesting time.
0: Well, thanks so much for being here today. You're welcome. For more information on Greg Robbins' work at the University of Denver, visit our show notes at du.edu slash radioed. Be sure to subscribe and check back for new episodes every other Tuesday. Aaron Pendergast mixes our sound. James Swearingen arranged our theme music. Tamara Chapman is our managing editor. I'm Melissa Hurst, today's host and Radio Ed's executive producer. This is Radio Ed.